This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Adaptiva reaches 1,000-core epiphany. And more GPUs in the cloud. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, and that's Michael Feldman, editor at top500.org. Michael, this week in HPC, we're going to get to talk about a company we haven't talked too much about, Adaptiva. They've been yep. around for a little while, and, and they've, uh, they've got a new product that they're taping out. It is a thousand core, not really a single processor. This is more like a system on a chip, almost like a thousand way SMP on a chip, yeah? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's it it resembles other many core chips we've seen around, but it's got a different different structure, certainly different memory hierarchy than others. But it's basically Adaptiva's version of the many core chip with their own architecture and uh, you know some really kind of cool technology that you're not seeing in the in the commercial chips that we are seeing from like Intel and Nvidia and others. Yeah, so this is actually technically a thousand twenty four core. Right. chip and they're referring to each core as its own processor they're laid out in a 32 by 32 flat square array it doesn't wrap around it's not a torus right they're just in one flat array they're peer-to-peer connected within that so each chip can talk to its north south east and west neighbors until at the far boundary that's where you find the io there's a north io south io east and west io so that's how they're laid out and then each risk-based cpu in that 1024-way array has its own little bit of memory which is more like a main memory than it is like a cache am i getting all this right yeah, they, they say there's no cache. So, yeah, that is more like a main memory that uh, that is associated with each element, right? And they had a DARPA grant in order to develop this. They're saying it's a general purpose chip that can uh, do a wide range of tasks. Now, for me, looking at this architecture and the fact that it is a double precision floating point, to me, this says signal processing, and I think that's got to be one of the main workloads they're targeting, although they also claim it can do other things as well. Right. They talk about uh, autonomous drones, certainly something uh, DARPA and the DRD is interested in, but also talk about self-driving cars, cognitive radio, and I think in general other embedded HPC types of applications were where they're, they're low-power uh, architecture, and that's, that's the emphasis here on low-power uh, and high-performance is, is going to give them a critical advantage. In fact, I mean, in, in that sense, it's, it's probably, and, and I don't know about any other maybe academic chips that might beat them, but they're, they're, it looks like they're aiming for something like 75 gigaflops per watt. Um, it's a, it's that, a high performance per watt. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And this is double precision. So this is actually uh, Adaptiva's first double precision version of, of this architecture. I mean, they got up to that. And 75 gigaflops at double precision is quite good when you consider the, the chips we know best today from Intel and NVIDIA, uh, the Xeon Phi and, and uh, the Pascal P100, respectively. They, they're much lower. They're, I think, uh, NVIDIA's P100, something like 18 gigaflops per watt, I think, uh, the, the Xeon Phi, the top top bin ones, are something slightly less than 15 gigaflops per watt. So this is uh, several times better than that. Now, they haven't 
actually demonstrated that yet. They've just they're just doing the tape outs yet. They don't expect to have actual chips with actual real frequencies and uh, uh, TDPs out until from another four or five months. But uh, from talking with uh, the CEO Andreas Olofsson, he thinks he's going to hit that 75 gigaflops per watt number when they start rolling out those chips and maybe even beat that performance. That's uh, that's going to be something. Yeah. Now, we don't have all the details on this chip. As you pointed out, this is just a tape out. We don't have perfect information on all of this just yet. I'm particularly interested in some of the other architectural elements on this chip. Uh, you know, to what extent does this really look like a, a thousand-way SMP here versus a, its own multi-core chip? In particular, you know, there's notes about each of these core or processor elements is capable of running its own version of the operating system, but it doesn't imply that it always works that way. You know, what's the span of a single kernel? Can this really be run as a as a thousand way SMP or is it broken up as a as a thousand different nodes in some kind of a super cluster on the chip? What's the latency between the cores? Uh, you know, coming from a someone who's got some exposure to shared memory systems or, or NUMA systems as a background, I naturally have a little more depth of curiosity as to exactly how you're going to program these things. Does it look like a NUMA? Uh, you know, what's the parallelism method? But uh, you know, for something like signal processing, which decomposes pretty well and is going to use all of that double precision space. I think regardless of the answers you get there, it's easy to see what the, the line of thinking was in designing it. Yeah, and, and this is actually uh, uh, just an elaboration of what uh, Adaptive has been doing. I mean, their last version, which I think came out, what, 2010, 2011, was a 64-core version. So they they did some redesign. They certainly uh, did the, the processor manufacturing shrink to get this up to a thousand cores but it's basically the same architecture um uh, they take that 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 eight by eight and then they put that into a four by four array and they eventually get the 32 by 32 right right and then you know obviously they needed this uh the smaller manufacturing node here i think they're on uh, the 16 nanometer finfet which curiously enough is actually the same um this is from tsmc it's the same technology and and fab partner that uh, NVIDIA has for its latest chips. So they got down to basically a modern uh, manufacturing node, and that's how they were able to get so many of these on a chip. But uh, it took them basically four four years to get there. Um, it is a startup, and this is an expensive process, but they they really made a big jump from 64 cores all the way up to 1,000. Uh, but they kept the, the basic uh, risk processing architecture the same. They just you know expanded the network, expanded... Uh, everything that you needed to get up to that scale and, and kept the same platform and basic architecture underneath. Yeah, no doubt. And and that's a major achievement. I mean, you start hitting a thousand cores, that's going to raise some eyebrows. I remember at the Hot Chips conference, we saw a, an academic presentation on the kilocore chip coming out from UC Davis. So naturally that, uh, that comes to mind. But, uh, you know, to me, this isn't really a... a a single thousand core chip. It's it's more like an aggregation of a thousand chips into a system. Now they also talked about other applications like maybe deep learning, machine learning, but you know, to me that's 
you know, everyone's talking about that these days. And it doesn't look as much to me like this is that that's the core application space for, for this chip. You wouldn't have gone double precision for that. You, you might not even no. do single precision. Everyone's leaning toward half for that now. Right. For some aspects of deep learning, you need much, uh, much less precision half or, or at least single. But this, uh, I can sort of see this as, as part of that uh, application space since they're going to be, uh, or at least they're aiming for embedded HPC, you can consider you know, deep learning applications where you do some sort of image recognition on a, on a car or a drone where that's part of the the processing that needs to be done, you know, uh, regardless of signal processing or navigation or something else, this, this chip can do that as well. So they, they added sure, some... Sure, of course. Uh, I mean, you're going to build a spy drone. You'd like to not only intercept the signals, but recognize what's sending them. So I, I get right. that. I, I think a spy drone is, is maybe exactly what, the, what DARPA had in mind for this. Yeah, and other types of drones, other types of embedded combat uh, vehicles and, and things like that as well. I think there's a there's a sort of a broad array, a broad array of, of applications that the DOD is interested in, but I, I think this chip is even more general purpose than that. And I also think that it's possible that somebody could build a, a, a prototype of some uh, supercomputing server to, to put these things in. They'd have to you know, do, do quite a bit of work to do that, but it would be interesting to put, let's say, you know, 10 or 20 or more of these into a server and, and get that and take advantage of that very good uh, price or performance per watt and see what you could come up with as far as uh, programming the thing. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's any number of novel architectures out there for that. That just boils down to what the parallelism model is. It's programming. It's software. What's the software environment for it? There are a lot of things you could program for, and this is this is an interesting one. I, I think Adaptiva will find a, a core market for this, no pun intended, and uh, and it and it is an interesting chip. So uh, appreciate you bringing it to our attention. Now, also this week in HPC, going back to last week in HPC, we were talking a lot about uh, some upgrades to cloud computing resources, in particular building in heavier weight processors like FPGAs and GPUs. And as kind of a follow-on to that story, we got another one that just kind of went into the mix with the Nimbix announcing the availability of some GPU-powered cloud resources. Yeah, and powered is the, is the, key, is the operative word there. They're talking about putting the, the, the new IBM servers with the... Um, the NVLink uh, P100 GPUs into their cloud. Now, this is a uh, basically the latest IBM power system that the, that company's talked about, and they've adopted this actually rather quickly. Nimbix is a specialist in HPC cloud cloud, so it, it's not too surprising they would try and get sort of the the cutting edge hardware into their infrastructure. But it's it's sort of interesting to note that uh, this this IBM uh, Power server with GPUs is not even in IBM's own cloud. That software cloud, they they've upgraded their own cloud there with K80s, just as Amazon did last week, which we talked about. But uh, it looks like Nimbus will be the first one with the uh, the new IBM Power Eights with the P100 GPUs. That's an interesting development for them. It's not a traditional HPC workload. It is going to consume higher performance technologies. Uh, that's why you suddenly see an, an opportunity for for uh, Nimbix with an NVLink GPU accelerated cloud resource. Yeah, I, I think you're right. In fact, that's the that's the market they've targeted. At least, uh, if you can believe their press release, they did talk about deep learning, AI, and, and cognitive computing in the in the IBM sense. But I, I have a feeling that 
somebody, some more traditional HPC user will come and then try and uh, try and play around with those, those P100 Pascal GPUs as well. It's right now it's the only uh, the only system I know of, the only publicly available cloud system that has those available. Uh, the people that are playing around with the, those new GPUs now are are getting the DGX1 systems from Nvidia that we that we talked about a lot last week. So there's there's people that are that are really wanting to try their software on those newer uh, GPUs, and this is going to be one way they're going to do it. And I think they'll get at least some uh, some people kicking the tires on this cloud just to get access to that uh, that silicon. Oh yeah, of course, and and we do see that workload in in uh, public cloud resources. We pick that up in our. Cloud research in our HPC research. I mean, cloud isn't a zero percentage of, of the HPC market. It kicks around in that two to three percent range, and that's yep. exactly where you find it. Is people want to do exactly what you say: kick the tires on a new technology before they make a, a large scale internal commitment. It doesn't drive a whole lot of the revenue. It does provide an opportunity and a market transition. There will be some people who use that. My point about machine learning and deep learning is that that's what really adds the volume to this in order to make a market such that you can have more providers profitably adding these resources into their public cloud offerings. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the fact that now we have uh, that industry, that application set starting up makes all these investments a little easier. They they don't have to target just a traditional HPC market, which, like you said, is is just basically, you know, a percentage points, single digital percentage points of the entire market. Now they've got this this other burgeoning uh, application set that people are very interested in now to, to sort of shore that up and, and uh, to create a little more incentive for these uh, accelerated systems to be uh, publicly available. One last note, Michael. I've gotten confirmation this week now that we've started doing some better tracking of our podcast that since we started this podcast is this week in HPC last year, we've had over 100,000 downloads. We do listen to our listeners and their feedback. So if you send us a message this week in HPC at intersect360.com or find us on Twitter at This Week in HPC, leave a comment on SoundCloud. We're always trying to make the podcast better. But really, thanks to you, Michael, for doing the with me and thanks a lot to all of our listeners well thank you addison that's good to hear that uh, people are actually listening to us <laughs> just yeah. the two of us here hey i just enjoy it. talking to you every week yeah, michael it's too. a fun conversation <laughs> but thanks for bringing it up to me and thanks to our listeners for tuning in you've been listening to this week in hpc you've been listening to this week in hpc brought to you by intersect 360 research actionable market intelligence for high performance computing for more information, visit intersect360.com.